Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. I use three emojis in my life. My favorite emoji is what I call the guy emoji. It's the thumbs up. Thumbs up mean we're good. We don't need to talk anymore. It's like great, affirmative. We're on the right track. That's my number one. Number two is the ha ha emoji. Matthew being one of my children, ha ha is something that gets used a lot in text and we we, a lot of times are laughter back and forth. So that's, that's my second most, most used emoji. The third one I use the most is the biblical emoji. No, not the Bible. It's the, actually the number two emoji used across all of social media. You might want to guess what that is. It's the heart. It's the heart. You say, well, why is that biblical? Because in the New Testament, they mention heart about 110 times. And so... The heart is, they don't know it's that, but the heart emoji is number, depending on who who your source is, it's always in the top five. Uh, Last I read, it was number two of heart, the red heart being used. And so the heart is used to designate, well, it designates a few things. One, it it designates desire. You hear people say, well, he just doesn't have a heart for that job anymore, or he doesn't have a heart to, to play that sport anymore. And you hear people talk about heart. Hey, I just don't have the, the heart for it. And so heart also designates desire. And then heart also, probably most commonly used, is to designate compassion or love. You'll hear people say, you know, we've got a heart for the lost or we have a, a heart for missions. You know, it's interesting when, when we talk about our church, one of the phrases we've used around here for years is that it's not the size of the church. You know, a lot of times people look at a big church and they go, well, it's a big church. They're going to be cold. They're going to be impersonal. They're going to be all about money. And I don't believe that has to be the case. You see, being big doesn't make you bad. Being small doesn't make you good. It's not the size of the church. It's the heart of the church that matters the most. And if the heart of the church is that we love people and we love this community and we love reaching out, then that's what's going to make the difference. But heart is often used for compassion and it's used for love. And um, you know when someone loves you, you know, you know that's there where they send you an emoji or not, you know it's there. There was a, a couple who, and this was from years ago, a couple who invited their, their pastor over for Sunday dinner. Anybody remember those days where people invite them? They're gone. <laughs> but... Uh, they, they invited their pastor and he was a older, more mature pastor, much older than me. And they, they invited him over and they were a young couple, had a, had a six-year-old boy and a uh, little guy was sitting there in the, in the living room with the, with the pastor, just kind of staring at one another, the couples in the kitchen getting ready. And the pastor trying to find something to talk with the six-year-old, he goes, hey, do you know what we're having for lunch. And the little guy goes, yeah. He said, well, what is it? He said, we're having goat. He said, 
goat? We're having goat? Are you sure? He said, yeah. I heard daddy tell mommy, might as well have the old goat for dinner today as much as any other day. Why do y'all think preacher jokes are so funny? Why is that? But that's the thing that, where's the love in that? And there's no love there. But hearts are often used to, to designate compassion. There's another thing for heart. You'll notice that heart is used to designate courage. A lot of times they talk about teams with a heart. You'll see a, a player make a move and sometimes he'll hit his heart. Actually, we get that from the, from the English that gave us Richard the lion hearted. And so heart can be used to display courage. The thing about heart is, and I'm not talking about the blood pump, but it's much more than a metaphor. When the Bible talks about heart, and it talks about it a lot, it gives us an indication that the heart's very important. Again, not, not just the physical blood pump, but it's the spirit of man, the soul of man, that it's the inward parts. In Proverbs, the fourth chapter, Solomon is writing, he says, keep your heart or guard your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. He said the heart, of, the spirit of man, the eternal part of man, he said, guard that because that, that's where the life comes from. It really is the core of our being. If you're in athletics, you know you have to have a strong core to walk in this life. We need a strong core. Our heart needs to be strong because so much life flows out of our heart. If I take some of this water, now why is there water on the floor? That's a duh question. I was like, duh, because you poured it there? Right. But why is there water on the floor instead of Coke or lemonade? Aside from the fact that I don't want to mess with Miss Darlene, but why is there water <laughs> on the floor instead of Coke or lemonade? Because there's water in the bottle. What's in us comes out of us. That's why Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. That's why Proverbs says, guard your heart because what's in you is what's going to come out of you. And it's our heart that's so important. So in this message called Heart Matters, I want to take you to one of my favorite stories about Jesus. It's found in the New Testament and it's found with his encounter. And it's really all about the heart. And, you know, sometimes we can read the story and gloss over, but I think what we want to catch here is the importance of, of heart and how it matters to Jesus and how he revealed his heart to a man named Zacchaeus. It's found here in Luke 19 chapter. Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was the chief tax collector and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, because he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they, these are the people of the town, saw it, they all complained, saying, he's gone to be the guest of the man who's a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he's also a son of Abraham, indicating he's Jewish. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Great story about heart. 
Zacchaeus was a tax collector. If you know anything about Jewish culture, you know tax collectors were extremely hated. And the reason they were hated is because the Roman army was the occupying army in Israel, the Roman soldiers. Remember, it was Roman soldiers that crucified Jesus. And the Roman army is the occupying army. And the Romans were a brutal people. They were not kind. They were, they could, they were known for being harsh. And when they collected taxes, they hired individuals within the countries, natives within the country to collect taxes. And so no one likes paying taxes. And here you've got someone taking taxes for the Romans, who they already hated the Romans. So you have Jewish people taking taxes from the Romans. And what, what they would do is often they would, they would take, say, let's say your tax bill was $10,000. They tell you, oh, it's $15,000. They'd pocket the five, send the 10 to Rome. And they got very rich that way. And so they got very rich and nobody liked them because they felt like they were turncoats against their own people. And so here was Zacchaeus and the Bible said he was the chief tax collector and he was rich. So when the Bible says you're rich, you're loaded. And he was chief. Now here's the thing, you're powerful and you're rich. Who would have ever thought someone like that had a spiritual bone in their body. But Zacchaeus had a heart hunger to see who Jesus was. He'd heard about Jesus. He'd already had his fill of religion. He'd heard about Jesus. And he heard Jesus was different. He said, well, how can you tell that Zacchaeus had a heart hunger? Because he did something that you don't do unless you have a desire. Remember we said that heart can indicate desire. He had such a desire to see Jesus and he was a short guy, he couldn't see. So he's trying to jump over the crowd. No one's giving him any room. No one's letting him by. And so he runs ahead and climbs, a rich, uh, climbs up a tree. Rich people don't run and climb trees. Rich people have other people climb trees for them. <laughs> but you think about it, he's, the, he's probably one of the richest guys in town. He's climbing up a tree just so he can see Jesus. He's got a, he's got a, a heart hunger. I think it's fascinating that here's a man who would you think have everything? Rich, powerful, probably feared, but there's still a hunger in his heart. And Jesus responded to that hunger. When Jesus came by, I, I, I've enjoyed this. This is, I think, our third year, third year that I've done devotions. I love doing these devotions because as I've gone through and taken a look, I, I'm realizing how awesome Jesus is and was. And the thing I love about Jesus was, he did not care what people thought. He didn't care. I mean, if you, he's now, he goes under the tree. He sees Zacchaeus. He knows Zacchaeus' name. I like what Joy talked about. He knows, he knows, he knew his name. He knows your name. He knows my name. And he's, he's under the tree and he, he sees Zacchaeus and, and he sees a heart hunger and he invites him down. And Zacchaeus, the Bible says, he came down joyfully, so excited. There was a joy about it. He was thrilled that Jesus honored him and nobody liked that. Now, here's the sad thing. This guy's a tax collector. He's probably ripped people off. He's probably ruthless. You don't get to be the chief tax collector unless you, unless you have rolled over a few folks. And he is he's ruthless. And when he, Jesus comes down, and says, come down, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay at your house today. You would have thought people would have been going, oh, praise God. Oh, praise God. Zacchaeus, he is such a rascal. I am so glad that Jesus is going to reach him. No, no, they're mad. 
They are mad. They're blowing up Facebook. I cannot believe Jesus is doing this. Because he's, they said he's going to have, he's going to the house of a man who is a sinner. Did you ever notice that Jesus hung out with people that nobody else wanted to hang out with? That Jesus hung out with people that religion had rejected. And religion had rejected Zacchaeus, but Jesus is not the rejecter. Jesus is the one who welcomes. And he saw a hungry heart and he said, we're going to have, we're gonna, I'm coming to your house. And Zacchaeus is excited. And when Zacchaeus understood that Jesus had a heart for him, it changed Zacchaeus. He stands up and he says it publicly, Lord, I'm going to give half my goods to the poor. And if I've ripped anybody off, I'm going to restore them four times. Now I'm going to tell you something. You've got to be loaded to give half your stuff away and still have enough to restore all the people you ripped off four times over. But you know what? Isn't it fascinating that all that money hadn't made this guy happy? You know, we sang that song today, said the, the treasures that fade. And boy, I'm telling you something, man, there are treasures that fade. There are things that I'm, you, you can try to fill your life with so much stuff and so much material goods or relationships or partying. You can, you can try to fill your life. And I'm going to tell you something, because I've tried it all and it's not satisfying. There's a hard hunger on the inside the man that says, I want to know God. I want a relationship with my God. There's a, there's a void inside of everyone that wants to know that God loves them and that they have a relationship with him. And when Zacchaeus knew that Jesus loved him, accepted him, it changed him. He went from greedy to giving, from ripping people off to restoring people. And he stood up and man, he's publicly saying it, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make things right. That's a heart change. And his heart changed because he realized that Jesus loved him. And then Jesus used this example to reiterate what his purpose was. He said, I came not to establish a new religion. I came not to prove I'm the son of God. He said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. I love that. Salvation has come because a heart turned toward the Lord. Our hearts matter. Our hearts matter what we, what we have in us. It matters. It matters to God. Because here's one thing about our God. He has a heart first in the, in the scriptures, there was an opportunity where Samuel, the prophet, was going to um, anoint the next king. And he went to David's house. Now, we all know David was the king, but the prophet went to David's house and David had, I believe, seven brothers. And the first brother came and stood, and, and this guy looked like a king. It even fooled the prophet. Let's look here in 1 Samuel. So it was when they came and he looked at Eliab, this is Samuel looking at Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature. When a lot of translations read the height of his stature, because I've refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearances, but the Lord looks at the heart. It's so easy to get fooled by outward appearances. And here was a handsome, tall guy and Samuel sees him and goes, that's him. That's the man right there. That's the one. And the Lord said, mm -mm, I don't see it the same way. 
We look at appearances. God looks at the heart. I'm going to show you a picture. See if you know who this person is. This is not me. <laughs> Just so you know. This is who? Paul Newman. Paul Newman. Take that picture down. I'm tired of him looking at me. I, I, this is, <laughs> a contrast is just too much. All right. Paul Newman was a, a very famous actor. Uh, he, he started doing movies in the 50s. He did movies in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And actually his last one was 2002. Nominated for 10 Academy Awards. He won one for Color of Money in 1987. He won three Golden Globes. He won a Humanitarian Award. He was pretty amazing. He was like the king of cool. He was a cool guy. In fact, he even did a movie called Cool Hand Luke. And uh, just nothing but cool. He portrayed nothing but cool. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. The Sting. He was cool. He was also a top flight race car driver. He was an entrepreneur. He gave away over $570 million in profits from his entrepreneurial thing. He made the best, still does, makes the best Italian dressing. I had to apologize to my mother-in-law who was here on the first service. I'm like, sorry, but Paul does it best. And he made the best dressing. He gave away all that money. He just, I mean, he, you're looking at a guy and you look at him and you go, he, he's got it all, including crippling insecurities. There was a memoir that came out about, a, a posthumous memoir that came out last year. It's called The Extraordinary Life of an Ordinary Man. And Paul Newman sat down with a friend and gave page after page of interviews of his own life over a five-year span and began to talk about how he had a drinking problem and how he was just crippled with the idea. He said, I've come to this fact that I know nothing. He was constantly plagued by self-doubt constantly plagued by regrets over the past. He said, I'm so afraid to admit to failure. I'm so afraid that I'm not doing it right, that I'm not good enough. All that going for it. Now, when you look at a Paul Newman and you think, man, that guy's got it all. But it's not what's on the outside. It's what's on the inside that matters. And that's what God looks at. You see, not all of us can look like Paul Newman. Well, especially you ladies, but not all, all of us can look like Paul Newman. Not all of us are going to be great looking in, in terms in a, in a critical society. They'll let you know if you're not great looking or not. They'll let you know. All of us can't be great looking to society, but all of us can have a great looking heart to God. And that's, a, isn't that wonderful? Aren't you glad that God's not looking at us going, mm, a little short, mm, a little overweight, mm. Your eyeballs are a little, a little messed up. Aren't you glad he doesn't look that way? Society looks that way. God looks on the inside and not everybody can be beautiful on the outside, but all of us can be beautiful on the inside. All of us can have a heart that pleases God. Aren't you glad when you get to heaven, they're not going to have a line for short people and a line for overweight people and skinny people. It's everybody's welcome. That's his, that's his heart. And because of the heart, we're constantly having to recalibrate our heart. That's our number two. Constantly having to recalibrate, to make changes in our heart. 
Now see, this is not something where, hey, we make Jesus our Lord and then we never adjust, never do anything. No, no, we make Jesus our Lord and then we're constantly having to change and grow and learn and do things. I like, I like this verse here. This has always been a verse in 2 Corinthians that we used about giving. But I want you to see something about heart here. Let each one of us give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now we've always used that for giving and it applies to giving. But I believe it applies to everything else we do for God. Everything else what we do in life. That we do things not because we are, that, that word grudgingly is reluctantly. And it says not giving because of necessity. Another word for that is under pressure. We're not giving because someone puts a gun to our head. We're not giving, we're not serving, we're not loving the Lord because we're just like, okay, I've got to do it. In other words, we do it because we want to do it. And that's a heart choice. We give because we want to give. We serve because we want to serve. We pray because we want to. We read our Bibles, not because it's a duty, because we want to. Because God's been good to us and we love him. And so we're glad to do it. And have you ever, have you ever had anybody do anything for you and you know they did not want to do it? They're like, go give your grandma a kiss. They're like, Ugh. I'm sure grandma didn't appreciate that. Here, share this with your brother. You're like, and you know their, their heart wasn't in it. But now God's, we're, we're, God made us, we're in his image. Don't you know that God would much prefer that when you got up this morning, instead of going, oh gosh, we have to go to church. I know none of you did that. I'm just talking about the people who are not here. But, but how about those, I love that verse that said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. We're like, God, if you're in it, I'm in it. You've been good to me. You've saved me my eternity.